Hello, welcome to From the Rookrind. Uh, my name is John, uh, and this is pre-season training. Yeah, it's July, uh, the sun is out. Uh, I think we could all take part in pre-season training. We'll figure that out in a minute. My name is John, as I say. Um, and, and these next couple of weeks of podcasts, uh, we're going to be recording. Uh, we've, we have recorded at the beginning of July. We're going to release them throughout July. And uh, with me is uh, DCW. Hello, when are we doing the bleep test? <laughs> Never! Jason. Good evening. Geordie, who's had a bit of training the last couple of days with a, a, a staff sports day. Yeah, just got fresh out of the ice bath. <laughs> <laughs> but one man who might not be able to keep up with us uh, for pre season training quite yet is, is Michael. Uh, the injury that you did uh, the day before yep. uh, the FA Cup final, uh, is it still keeping you out of action? I'm in a tough race <laughs> against time for the start of the season. Another, well, what's the date today? So I've got two weeks to go. So it's going to be touch and go. I might, I'm going to be out for Austria. I'm going to miss the uh, the Ajax game, but I should uh, got my eye on being on the bench for Brighton. Well, let's, let's, let's fingers crossed. So we're going to do a bunch of podcasts over the next couple of weeks. One, uh, a very special one, where we're going to uh, have an interview with Anne Swanson which we did or I did uh, a few months ago. We're going to look at VAR uh, and the new footballing rules to make sure that we keep our sanity uh, throughout this season. Some of you might have felt that during the, the Women's World Cup. Uh, we're going to sort of catch up on what's been going on at Vicarage Road as well as seeing if we can pick, well, we'll pick two, but you can decide which is the best. Watford 11 that have played in the top division. That goes to Division 1 and the Premier League. Uh, so a few episodes to come up over the next few weeks. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Let's start, though, with, with these new rules. Um, Mike, we've been watching the Women's World Cup yeah. uh, and we've been seeing VAR in action. We knew it's coming. We've seen it before. After seeing these games, are you, are you happy? Are you, are you thinking this is going to be the saviour of Watford's perils and problems and injustice that you've been screaming about for 10 years. It's our 10th season. Yeah, and we've been watching Watford for a lot longer than that. Yeah. It's going to take more than a man sitting in a room watching a computer screen uh, to turn Watford's uh, fortunes <laughs> around, I think. Look, I think what the one thing I do know is that we're at the start of something new here and it's sparked an awful lot of debate, haven't we? After virtually, after all the big games, certainly in the in the Women's World Cup, our WhatsApp group has come alive, hasn't it, with us discussing the, the pros and cons, basically, of the um, of the introduction of VIR. And we're all intrigued, I think, to, to see how it's trying to overlay what we've seen in this sort of rarefied atmosphere of the, of the World Cup because everyone's eyes are on it and it's, and it's new, trying to overlay that onto the Premier League week in, week out. So it will be fascinating. I'm not sure that it's A, the solution, or B, the sort of devil incarnate that, that, that some people are making it out to be. I think there might be a bit of a grey area somewhere in, the, in between, fitting on the, sitting on the fence as always. <laughs> Luckily, though, DCW, uh, who works at TalkSport, has had a special briefing from the Premier League about VAR. DCW, there, there's lots of worries going on. Mike seems a little bit cautious and, say, on the fence. Are you in a similar place? Or are you sort of fairly happy with how this is going to work for Watford and the Premier League on a week-by-week -week basis? I'm undecided. I'm, I'm, I am undecided. I, historically, I've been against VAR because I, I, you know, I'm quite happy with football as it has been. I've had plenty of times over the years where I've come away from games railing against the officials and the decisions they should have given us, but also we've benefited from getting the odd penalty that we shouldn't have got and you know, get away with the odd off-cycle here and there, and I, I think it's fine. But 
that's irrelevant. It's happening now. VAR is here. It's been here for a while, actually. Obviously, we saw it at the, the, the 2018 World Cup. We saw it in the Champions League and Europa League last year. We've seen it again in the Women's World Cup. And I think, and it will be in the Premier League next season. Uh, but the, the big thing for us to mention at the starting point of this discussion is that what we've seen in the Women's World Cup and what we've seen in the Champions League last season is going to be different to what we see in the Premier League. FIFA and UEFA, they've chosen to implement VAR in a certain way to a certain standard and the Premier League are doing it themselves. It's the PGMOL, which is the board of elite referees in the country, and they want to do it their way. And there will be some differences to what we've seen. So I, I think in the Premier League have been very very keen to stress to us at TalkSport and other broadcasters over the last few weeks that it's not going to be quite as chaotic, hopefully, hopefully, as it has been in the Women's World Cup. It's been even more chaotic in America. I mean, that's, there's crazy things of decisions being made when everyone's gone off the pitch and they've all come back on again. I mean, that's, that's the, the worst case. And we haven't seen that in the Women's World Cup, but that would be the worst thing possible that's not you're not getting the vibes that that's ever going to happen in the Premier League. Never say never, uh, and there will be no doubt about it. There'll be probably in the first weekend there'll be a, a mad incident that takes ages, and and people will be up in arms, and the phone-ins will be full of angry callers, and uh, Twitter will be ablaze with the game's gone, the game's finished. What's the point? They've ruined our sport. It, it's going to happen, but you know it all comes from a good place. This, and whether you agree with it or not, like me. They, the, 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 the objective from the Premier League is to try and make things fairer. And I suppose you, that from that point of view, you've kind of got to get on board a bit. But how they implement it is going to be interesting to see. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be perfect on day one. It probably won't be perfect by the end of the season. But if it's going to be here for good, it's going to be something that will evolve. It will change. They'll sort of work out what works and what doesn't. And it'll probably be every season you might see little tweaks in laws and stuff. And as we're going to come on to later, the other thing to remember is... VAR itself is just simply a method of checking what's happened on the pitch. And it's people in Stockley Park out near Heathrow in the IMG studios, refer proper referees looking at screens and reviewing, constantly reviewing incidents. But there have been law changes and that's where people are getting confused at the moment. They, they sort of think, oh, VAR is ruining everything. Well, it might be. But also some of the law changes have had a quite a big impact in what we're seeing this summer at the Women's World Cup and, 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 they, and we will see those law changes in the Premier League as well. Let's talk about the law changes in a minute, but from, your, from when you spoke to the Premier League or they spoke to, so they did a lovely presentation with a PowerPoint and all that sort of thing, what is it that you sort of took away from that in terms of, A, you say you think they're going to implement it in their own way, but did anything particularly stand out in where their heads were, where they might be focused in terms of what incidents they're going to and not going to get involved with or let the referees keep that, keep control for a certain period of time or can the VAR referees, you know, whisper in their ears? They can whisper in their ears uh, and, and they will do. There'll be a constant stream of communication. So so the, the session that I, I, went, I underwent and a lot of my colleagues at TalkSport, we, we went through, it was a briefing, it was Neil Swarbrick, the referee, he kind of talked us through the whole process and it was really interesting. Um, but what we did after the actual presentation was the best bit, it was a practical session. We went into the actual VAR hub that will, that will be used next season and they sat us down and they replayed a lot of incidents that had happened this season in, in the FA Cup. 
because it, you know it's been used last season in English football in the FA Cup, and they they said right we're going to play we're going to play you the the footage as it as it was done on the day, and it's up to you 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 tell us what you think should be what what's the decision and you how it's going to work you have two officials watching every screen watching every game so you have like the main VAR and you've got like the assistant VAR so the main VAR is the one that's looking at the footage and there's a guy a little computer nerd who, who, who's got all the controls and he can rewind everything. He can get all the camera angles up and basically you can zoom in or zoom out, slow it down, speed it up. And then while, while the referee's studying what's going on, if there's something else, if the player's continuing, the other assistant will kind of keep an eye on what's actually going on. Um, so how many, how many qualified, qualified referees will be in? There'll be the three at the ground and the one on the sideline, so four there. There's a main referee at the centre plus some, how many others? So each game will have each game will have two VARs. So you have a, a main VAR and then you have someone else with him, like an assistant to to the main VAR guy. Um, so I guess well that's six referees in total. And, and that was fascinating actually because it, it really does anyone who's even stepped on a football pitch, even a five a side pitch, and had to referee at any point knows how difficult it is when it's at full speed. So you can I think we can all have sympathy with referees for how difficult their job is. But, and this is where I think problems will still arise. Sitting down in front of a screen is still actually pretty hard. Mm. Looking at the replays is still difficult. We were we were looking at several incidents last season. There were sort of penalty calls. Uh, there were goals whether they should be offside or not. There were red card incidents, and we were doing it. And we had a referee standing over us, sort of watching us. And and he was like looking at his watch, going. Come on, lads, if you want to see it one more time, can I just see it from that angle, just slow it down? He said, well, it's been three and a half minutes now. We had it finished in 90 seconds. You know, they've, they've, they've still got to look at these calls and they've got to make a judgment. But I think with the, pref, the, the, the Premier League, one of their big things is they, where possible, they still want the on-field referee to have the final say. They don't want to undermine his authority too much, but there will be grey areas. Um, one of the examples I remember was... It was Grimsby against Crystal Palace last season in the Cup. And there was a tackle, I think, literally in like the first minute of the game. And and it was Andros Townsend and a Grimsby player overran the ball and tried to tried to nick it off Townsend. And the referee spotted it and said, looks like a booking to me, because the play was still going on. The play, the ball carried on in play, and it, but the, the player was down, but the referee didn't blow. He said, looks like a booking for me. Can you, can you let me know? They looked at it a minute later. Yeah, actually, that's a red. And then when the ball died the next time, went over to the player, set him off. And it's that speed, which is still a really difficult thing for, for the referees to deal with. And it's going to be frustrating for us fans, I guess, at times when they are taking three or four minutes. But they are, and they've been practising a long time. So they're trying to get, get that, that window down so they can you know, get it down to like 90 seconds or two minutes or whatever. But it's, it's, you know, it's going to be, there'll be teething problems, no doubt about it. Jason? It, it's the the timings that you talk about that have been the issue for me. I I'm, I am pro VAR. I think it's a good thing, but the the way it's been implemented so far, timings have been a problem. And in some cases, it's almost astounding me that you see things back on a TV replay and things look pretty obvious, and yet they're still taking quite a long time to then come to that decision. Um, and for me, I think we can learn a little bit from cricket. It's not perhaps it's not quite as black and white, but I think if we've got a situation where they're taking time to make a decision, let, let's let's put a time limit on these things. Let's say a minute max to review, and if you still can't decide, then I think you should just stick with the the referee's on field decision. Uh, that 
uh, that seems quite a, a simple way of implementing it so that it doesn't take too long. But that, that for to, me, though, defeats the whole object. Because why bring it in if you can't be certain? It's a whole new aspect, a whole new raft of people, a whole new raft of laws. And you're saying, well, you still might not be able to do it. And And, and the other thing is, you talk about how long it takes, and I agree that's a problem. If you're in the stadium... I don't know, maybe DCW would be able to say this. Are they putting something on the screens with the grounds that have got it? Because it's fine if you're at home watching TV. It actually builds a bit of tension. So it's actually fine for the TV viewer. And, you know, the cynical amongst us would say, well, have they got one eye on that on that, on that, on that audience when they, when they bring it in? Um, but, yeah, to your point, Jace, if they're not going to make a, de- a conclusive decision, what, why bother? Well, it's, it's, meant to, it's meant to address the clear and obvious, and that's what they, they've been saying. And in some cases, you have to... The offside ones, I know people have sort of made comments about, oh, it's only a toe and, oh, yeah, well, that's not what it's for. But, but where you've got a, a definitive yeah. yes or no, then that's great. That, that You should absolutely use it for that. And if it's a toe offside, you are offside. That's the rule. Um, but for the the ones that where it is difficult and it's about opinion, then and, and someone else can't make that decision in, in a certain time span, then let's stick to the referee's opinion on the pitch. Yeah. And the other thing is, the other thing is, the other problem I've got with it is, I, think, I totally agree. There's been a lot of furore about offside and all. You know, you're offside. It's a line. It's a line call. There's, it's black and white, and I think it's absolutely right for that. Absolutely right for for goal line technology. The thing that I have slight concerns about is when you slow something down and watch it again and again and again, you see things differently. It looks looks very different to it does in in real time and you mentioned cricket there Jace we I watch a lot of cricket as well and the classic is when they they they're not sure if the ball's carried cleanly into the fielder's hands so they zoom in they watch it again and there's foreshortening and the angle of the camera it it could have gone in cleanly and and, and I think there's a lot of occasions where there's been a clean catch taken but because the image looks dubious they have to go uh, on the side of caution and and give the batsman not out so there are going to be there are issues with it. I think I think we need to get our heads around the fact if it's a line call, it's end of. So this offside thing, you know, what, how is someone going to score with their with a toenail or a, a slight elbow out? It's an, it's a line call, end of decision. So you either deal with the offside law, or or basically be quiet about it because it's getting things right. But someone made a good point the other day though is. Is VAR being triggered the the moment it does it leave the foot? Is it time that when the so if it's a through ball, when does that become a through ball and when does offside come into play? If you're getting down to that level of minutiae, that level of detail, you need to be as was it. I think it might have been Geordie that, that brought it up actually. Does it when it touches? If I'm playing a through ball to you with my left foot because my right foot's still in the cast, obviously. <laughs> Is it when it touches my foot or when it leaves my foot? Because that could be the difference between... But seeing the leaving of the foot is the bit that's going to be very, very hard. The thing is, we're talking about, oh, VAR might not pick up on this, VAR might not pick up on that. Football's imperfect as it is. This is why VAR's coming in, because there are very clear decisions that we can look at in hindsight and go, they made a mistake there, but they only saw it once. They saw it at real speed and they saw it live. So VAR is trying to fix things. What's going to happen is if VAR fixes and gets 20 decisions correct in a weekend, but one of them is debatable and people don't think it was a penalty or it was seen in slow motion, that's the one that people are going to pick up and say, I told you it wouldn't work. I told you it wasn't very good. It's not fair. It's picking on us. It's, it could, because it's if it's been sold as some kind of um, panacea that's going, to, that's going to solve every problem in football, it's not. So it's good luck to, you know, to what Mike and Jason have said. If it's black and white, it's not VAR that's the problem. It's often if the rule's right, if you agree with the way that the rule's um, interpreted or, or the way the law's put down. 
again to Mike's point, offside isn't um, isn't isn't where you are. It's where you are when the ball's released. And obviously, the, the ball being a sphere, uh, you know, and being full of air, isn't always round. If you see a football when it's kicked hard, they they give. Working out the exact second when you when you're trying to give somebody offside, the difference the defender moving forward, the striker moving but in the opposite direction, the ball releasing, we don't have at the moment that level of technology to say where is when was the ball released because if you and so you have to do the best fit, I guess. Another thing is you know if they don't show it in the stadiums, all the Premier League games are, are broadcast around the world, everyone's on social media around the world, and five G's being rolled out. So in a couple of seasons, whether it's broadcast in the stadium or not, everyone in the stadium is probably going to be able to look at it themselves. So they're going to have to show it in the stadiums, I guess. That's I reckon we do a thing where you have to watch the whole crowd. We had to watch the replay, and you'll be able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> you have a certain number from the away fans and a certain number from the home fans, and have a vote. But the VAR actually—is it VAR or is it VAR? I like, prefer VAR. Well, it should be because it, it does. It, it, it is an acronym, yeah. so it should be VAR, not yeah. VAR. There's, there's quite quite a few things to address there. Uh, first, the the screens in the stadium. Well they won't show the replays in the stadium. Uh, and one of the reasons is because there are two clubs in the Premier League that don't have screens in their stadiums. You know which they are? Liverpool. Liverpool, Manchester United. They oh, yeah. don't, have, don't have big screens inside their stadiums. Um, but what they will... Show... Tin pot clubs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. What they will show um, is similar to cricket. Uh, there, there will be some communication. So it will be like penalty being checked by VAR... Uh, and it will be decision, penalty, decision, no penalty, decision, goal, decision, no goal, whatever. So the, the fans will be kept abreast of what's happening in the background. Um, the, the, the Premier League repeatedly stressed to us that they are that it will centre around this this idea of clear and obvious errors. When we were when we were watching the incidents and the replays in in the booth. When when we were we were asking the referee's opinion, we were saying, well, look, I'm not sure, and they were saying, well, what do you think? It's clear and obvious, and that is where there will still be a bit of a grey area because that's still an interpretation. That referee, highly trained though they are, the referee in the VAR booth might have a different opinion of what of what is clear and obvious to, to, a, to another referee. So you might watch a replay on Match of the Day and say, that's a clear and obvious error. How does he miss that one? But the ref, if the VAR says, well, I didn't think it was clear and, ob- clear and obvious, I went with the, I, I let it go. I let the referee's original call stick. That's when we're still going to have, we're going to have a lot of debate. Um, and, you know, it, it will it will run and run, I think. Just forgot one, one thing. Offsides. Now, this is going to be really interesting to see how this actually plays out. But So we've seen so far offsides that it's just a line on the replay. You get a red line and a blue line and, and, they're, and they're judging it like that. We've been told that re- over recent weeks, the Premier League have, have finally managed to, to develop a system, a technology where it won't just be a line, it'll be like a 3D mapping system. So, because currently, basically, you can only really tell by the line if it's near the, if the foot is near the line on the replay. But of course, you can be offside with your head or with your knee or your shoulder or whatever. So... That to me seems like it'd be a step in the right direction, but potentially new technology. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a hiccup along the way at some point.
part of the problem with the, the problems we've been feeling, let's say, during the Women's World Cup is the fact that there is the v- use of VAR, but the change of rules. And Jason, there's a, there's a fair few new rules coming in. We can't talk about them all. That'd be a quite boring thing to do. But, you know, look at the rules that are out there. For you, are there any ones that you think, yes, you are definitely going to help football? Substitutions. So when a, a player gets substituted, he has to leave by the nearest exit point of the pitch. I'd imagine uh, you'll still get players wandering towards the centre circle now rather than the far part of the pitch. Or I think early on you'll get those that that are just the other side of the centre circle will start wandering across towards the bench. Then the referee will remind him that he needs to go off the nearest pit. So then go back the way he's come from and then eventually go off that side of the pitch just to waste a little <laughs> bit more time. But I think, yeah, that, that'll be quite good. I, it, it's a funny one, that one, because I... <laughs> People always moan when when players take their time going off, but yeah, we we've done that as well. Everyone does it; it's game management. But um, you can understand why the rules come in. I yeah. think it's a good one to. But I think half the problems when that happens in the foot match, where we go, get off the pitch, get off the pitch. Well, it's actually less than thirty seconds, and you get added extra thirty seconds for every substitution that there is. So I don't really think. There's very few occasions, let's say, that it is a, a problem with players coming on off the pitch. There's one that's annoying me though. Out of all these new rules, no more contested drop balls. And I saw that the other night in one of the ladies' games. One of the players came over to contest it. She said, no, 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 go away, go away, go away. So what's the point of it? But it just, it's, it's more, we, we, I know we don't really contest drop balls anymore. But when they do, I love it. I love a contested drop. <laughs> Feet in there, lads. Hard as you can. Go for it. Yeah, I, that, is a, that is a strange one, isn't it? And, and we were talking about it beforehand. At what point does the uh, the referee stop the game? Does he can he not stop the game because he can't decide? So let's say let's say there's a head injury. Okay, so guy's down. He wants to stop the game. It's important he stops the game as quickly as he can. But if the ball's pinging about and there's a few tackles flying in, who's actually got the ball? Who should he be dropping the uncontested drop ball to? And and there's a and it could be a risk. It could be a risk to the guy that's down and uh, with a head injury. So he, he, those cases might might be few and far between. Yeah, and it, and he, you you might find a case where he decides, okay, the ball's down this end of the pitch. We're gonna um, drop the ball there, but I might just ask him to kick it back to the to the opposition goalie or, or whatever. It's it's yeah, it's gonna be down to the common sense of the referee. I think you're absolutely right, Dave. The problem that we've sort of seen and we've discussed uh, on our WhatsApp group is what is a handball. Now, Julie, the idea is that if it hits your hand, it's a handball, even if it's a little bit away from yourself if it's your making if you're if, if, if your arms making you look bigger well that's just impractical and it that's one of those rules you get and you think you've never even played a game of sevens under sevens football to understand how arms are moved and how balance is is conjured up in human beings it doesn't that that's it, it it's one of those rules where you it's just going to cause more problems surely yeah, I think it's going to be quite divisive depending on how how it goes for you or against you. I think that the problem with handball is the name of the rule because it's not handball, it's essentially four-limb ball. If it, hits your, <laughs> if it hits your arm, and obviously your hand is the furthest part away from your body, so it's the one that you have the most range of motion with. But you've seen that in the World Cup, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Women's World Cup, where the ball's kind of hit the upper arm, and it's like, well, it, it's connected to your shoulder. We don't have that... We, you, 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 there was a period in, in Spain a few years ago where 
defenders would close you down as if they were waiters because they'd walk up with their arms behind the, behind their backs. Yeah. And, but then if you're if you if you're turning football into a non-contact sport, which we're increasingly doing, with then you're getting these players who can move very quickly. And then not only that, but you're then running backwards with your arms behind your back. You might as well just tie their legs together and, and say, let's just make it so easy for the for the striker. So I think I think if it hits your hand, I think I think that's fair enough. I think if it hits like your a bicep, which is against your body, and you haven't tried to then that becomes that becomes you kind of think, well, you know, that's not deliberate. I think if if it has to be like an uh, an understanding how far away you are. Uh, I think it was at Japan got got kind of scuppered in the World Cup, and you kind of felt, you know, to lose a, a chance in the World Cup to a late goal when there's nothing you can do. You can't if it hits your hand. You, you can say, well, you're, you you can control how your hand's got like a meter or so range of motion. Your bicep is basically always going to be within maybe 15 centimeters of your body. So it's very hard to to do that when you're when you when you're not when you're act- actively tr- not trying to hit the ball. If you're trying to move your hand out of the way, but you're trying to block the ball with the legal parts of the body. So your hand's not really at the front of your mind, front of it. So, yeah. so I think I think there's going to be a lot of harsh decisions potentially with that, which might be again if the rule is black and white and the rule says it's handball, it's not VAR that's the problem. It's it or if it's picked up, it's it's the rule that's the problem. But if everyone's playing by the same rule, then I guess that balances out. But I do think I think I think there is an element of like you say, it's not even whether you've played football or not. It's just whether you've ever, if you've ever walked or run. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, you realise that. You, I don't want you defending in my team. The amount you move your hands around when yeah. you're talking, let alone well, defending. It's going to be difficult for Italian defenders if they're kind of shouting to each other because they've their hand <laughs> movements and stuff. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's just one, it's one of those things. The rule, if the rules are the same for everyone and they're going to be implemented equally, what you might end up with is some decisions that you don't like that go against you, but they could equally have gone for you. So it, it, it's going to be what it is. It's just. Is it is it is it is it penalising defenders too much, and is it then going to have a knock-on effect in the way defenders try and mitigate? Or are you going to see strikers basically instead of trying to go around someone, just flicking it up to their hand? That's the problem. Because you know, if if you're two foot away from me, closing me down, then you're going to have to stand off me, which gives me more chance to go around you. And it's just, it, how's it going to how's it going to affect things? Well, I can I can answer that hopefully, <laughs> um, allay some of your fears, um, which is what the Premier League have been trying to do, as we understand it. The Premier League, their intention at the moment, it, with with regards to VAR, is not to be a, as punitive as perhaps we've seen in in the Women's World Cup and in, in the Champions League. Remember the Champions League final, the penalty that Liverpool got in the, in the first first minute, and it was it was Sadio Mane trying to cross it in. I think it hits Sissoko's hand, didn't it? When he he was kind of motioning to the fullback, watch the runner, and it hits his his arm by the side. Referee blows, gives it a penalty. The Japan incident that you just mentioned in the Women's World Cup, where it hits the top of her arm when she's got the arm, it's a little bit out by the side, but it hits the top of her arm. The Premier League are saying at the moment that. They don't want to implement the rule like that. That that, as they understand it, if your arm or your hand is above your shoulder uh, or near your head, like then it would be a penalty, no matter what, deliberate or non-deliberate. But if it's down by your side, they're going to give a bit of leeway to the referee to to decide whether or not he thinks it's deliberate, and it's not just going to be straight away hit the arm penalty, no debate. The problem with this whole issue is, however, that P- P- um, Pierre Luigi Colina has recently been questioned about this at a press conference and he's kind of saying everyone in world football should adopt the same rules and we're saying it's like this so everyone else should do the same thing. So they might get a point where the referee boards all have a big debate and a meeting and they might get slapped down and cleaner says you've got to do it. But at the moment, the intention, as as we're told, is they they don't want to see 
penalties every game and you don't want to see a situation where players as you correctly said Geordie are practicing flicking it up against people's arms in training because they'll do that you know no Is doubt any, anyone thinking of a certain club that might be practicing <laughs> that I don't know I don't know Watford hopefully I think it's about time we take advantage but I think the I think the penalty for handball has been artificially high for, for far too long I think accident how many times do you actually see a, I know deliberate handball isn't the law but how many times do you actually see a deliberate handball very very rarely are people jumping up you have those occasional Suarez. brain melts I mean Suarez is the only one I can remember really in the last well, that was in 2010 yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. defender just goes a bit you have a little bit of short short circuit in your brain and up that goes the hand and so it's just it's I think an indirect free kick because I've thought about this a lot and you know it's you can't handball it it's it's illegal and if the ball, it's not necessarily going in, but you are changing the trajectory of the ball. So who's to say what would have happened after it hit your hand? Um, so it's, I think it's really encouraging to hear what, what DCW says there about the interpretation of the law. But it flies exactly in the face of what Geordie said. I don't mind as long as everyone's playing to the same. Hopefully in two years, three years, Watford are going to be playing under UEFA sanctioned uh, competitions. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's different. And as supporters... You know, I think it's right that we're spending some time here talking about it, A, so we can understand it, so when we talk about it next season, get it right, but also so it doesn't ruin your, your enjoyment. But if you're having to think, oh, what tournament are we playing in? We had it last year, really, with the FA Cup trying to work. It took us three days to work out if someone was suspended for the next game or not. So if they're interpreting handball differently from competition to competition, I think that is unsatisfactory. I think the, the Premier League sound like they're doing it correctly because it just gets stupid you don't want to see players flicking the ball up handball the ball touching your hand cannot be an automatic penalty it just isn't commensurate with with that sort of process it it just isn't deliberate handball is it's ridiculous and should be a penalty so again we just need to, to wait and see but I think it sounds like it will be addressed properly and that that artificial tariff if if you like that's applied to a handball at the moment for too long it's been it's been wrong you could be sent off. You lose a you lose a goal for something that you've got very very little control over, which which Geordie says. So it sounds like handball, if if it's done properly, will be good. <laughs> Sorry, handball. If it's done properly, <laughs> we'll be good. Uh, so Maradona says, still about 1986. Uh, thank you very much uh, for, uh, for listening to this, our first pre-season uh, podcast. Hopefully uh, this will be the most serious podcast yeah, of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. It, but the point of us doing it was, as Mike said, is to sort of maybe get it out of our system, to get the conversation going. Hopefully, you know, we knew DCW had, had learned a lot about it, to start getting rid of some of those problems and, and worries, should I say, rather than problems that might come up. Um, but uh, yeah, that will be uh, that will really be addressed and hopefully developed as this uh, next Premier League season uh, you know goes on. Do? I'm going to put everyone on the spot. You usually okay. do this, so because, let's make it a bit Watfordy. What one decision would we like overturned from Watford's history that we think VAR would help us with? Uh, I would say 1986 FA Cup quarter final. Uh, Ian Rush went down quite easily in the penalty area and they scored an equalising penalty. Went on to win the double. I think we potentially could have gone on to win the uh, FA Cup that year. That would have been nice. That's 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 uh, anyone other ones? Well, the obvious one's Andy Gray. But then whether or not we would have come back and won that game. So I think um, went in the in the semi final and uh, was it against Hull mm-hmm. in the uh, in the when. Uh, was it Eustace was sent off and Shito had a goal disallowed and yeah. Kevin Friend basically. You know, 
Uh, no again. Yeah, I'm, I'm lost for words. So maybe if that had gone differently, you know, who, who knows? The, the one I think about was the uh, Cassetti on knockout penalty. If that hadn't oh. been given, if that hadn't been given, oh, yeah. how different would would Watford's well, you or, know, or Leicester's? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I think about. I was going to say exactly the same thing, and you're right. First of all, would the penalty have been given? Probably not. But even if the penalty does get given and the same sequence of events happens, if somebody's checking upstairs in VAR and says, uh, actually, uh, yeah, I know Dini's just scored, but we need to bring it back. <laughs> and there's thousands of people on the pitch. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but that is the season to come. Well, hopefully not too much this season. VAR and a couple of new rules. Back soon with another pre-season podcast.